G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by John. John, how are you this evening? Um, going alright. It's raining a lot here, so just cold again. <laughs> um, yeah, but happy to talk for a while. So. Yeah, I think it's one of those. It's like it's like you know that um, chill, chill music stream. Sometimes yeah. the sound effects of the rain is actually like really soothing and calming. I love rain normally. <laughs> it's just been really cold lately. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. Never fun. Also, I only well, started playing yeah. Pokemon Go like this year, and like wow. it's just completely screwed it up. So you couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you you're like me. You like a little bit of anime. You love video games. Um, how about we talk a little bit about. Uh, Netflix's Castlevania adaptation. I know you're a big fan of it. Uh, what do you, what do you think about uh, Castlevania as as Netflix has put it out? Um, I've really enjoyed it. I feel like it it's um, it's kind of it's writing has been pretty central to its success. Just kind of bums me out that Ellis. I don't know to like kind of oh, summarize yeah. things. Warren Ellis is like the primary writer. Like I think the only writer for the series. Um, and he kind of got ousted through his own, you know, expose last year. I think it was last year, um, hmm. where he kind of had a, it's a bit of a sex pest with his own fanboy fan base, <sighs> and that was kind of upsetting because he's a very good writer. <laughs> um, but yeah. to kind of, I suppose to, uh, is it okay to say avoid that? I don't know. Uh, the yeah. point is to talk about Castlevania though. Is that like a lot of it's strengths rely on its writing primarily um and it's very i really enjoy its writing i really like its pacing and its dialogue and it's kind of structured in a very satisfying smooth way that i think is very rare especially in animation actually yeah it, it, there was a cohesion to it that i think a lot of uh anime doesn't have uh mm. especially i don't know modern anime I guess it's a bit different now where anime now has like more like seasons and and things may not be as much uh the same as like you know I guess one piece is probably the exception to this it's a bit more old school where it has like hundreds and hundreds of episodes whereas a lot of other anime sticks to kind of you know 26 episodes for a season in Netflix's case I think it was like 8 or 10 episodes a season which was I think lends itself well to the the narrative that Castlevania uh, kind of went after for each season and you do see there's a lot of growth in the characters i'm excited to see uh the netflix adaptation of the witcher like the witcher prequel where where it's basically set before the events of like the books and it's uh around um vesemir which is i think by the time the witcher games happen is like he's like this old mentor to Geralt he's like kind of crusty uh, looking but yeah in this anime right. he's like um young and hot which, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure uh, is pleasing some fans out there. Yeah, because I, I didn't see that. Yeah. I actually forgot to watch the trailer for that one, but I, that the only <coughs> content I saw of that was a tweet, a tweet yeah. calling him hot. <laughs> the <laughs> tweets. And I believe the uh, Richard Armitage, who plays Trevor Belmont in the Netflix uh, Castlevania series, is voicing him as well. So I'm okay. excited to hear more of his voice because I think he's got a really cool voice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't realize that um, he's like an actual legit actor as well. Like he's been in The Hobbit and things like that. Yeah, I knew I knew about him from um, Hannibal. He was in the last season of Hannibal. Ah, uh, um, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So, but yeah, I think he has been around for a while. It's just one of those actors mm. who you don't really nest. Like it's um, wouldn't really know by name, probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. And I think the the other um, series that I watched that. Uh, I guess it isn't too timely. I mean, it came out in 1979, but it's the original Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, I started watching it again once it came to uh, Anime Lab here in Australia. Or Anime Lab slash Funimation now. Uh, that e- I was that, that show is really good, especially given its age and kind of sets up... You kind of see a lot of the tropes that a lot of... um Like even Evangelion 
kind of gets into later on, like a couple of decades later, like th- those tropes of like uh, mecha anime. So it'll be interesting to move on to uh, the, the follow-up series, which is uh, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. Okay. And the, the only unfortunate thing is that it's only available legally on Netflix in Japan. Uh, I think there were some plans to bring it over. Yeah, like I thought in there were some. Forms. Yeah. yeah, I thought like I remember reading something earlier this month about like some new. Uh, I should yeah. have brought it up. I know Netflix is bringing some new Gundam stuff over though. Yeah, so the the Netflix stuff is, uh, it's called I think um, Mobile Suit Gundam. Hathaway. It's basically. Oh, that, like, yeah, that's um, right. It's set in the Universal Century timeline like the main continuity of the series but it's like kind of like the the child of one of the like two of the main characters from the original Gundam and, and the follow-up series he's like grown up to be like a rebel leader <coughs> <laughs> like a rebel leader slash spy all right okay uh, I should mention now, actually, that I haven't ever seen any Gundam. <laughs> I know it's a series I yeah. should probably dig into at some point, but it's one of those ones where it's like all these different names that don't clearly lead into each other. Yeah. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just wait later. Yeah, well, if you if you do um, want a starting point, like Mobile Suit Gundam, the original Gundam, is on Anime Lab mm. slash Funimation, so I think you can watch it uh, for free with ads or you can watch it like premium with no ads and high quality. So if you get the chance, I, w- I would recommend that. Alright. Um, yeah, even though it is an older anime, so it, like the animation is very basic, you could really tell it was on a budget. But it it kind of sets the blueprint for a lot of anime that came afterwards, which is which is cool. It's it's always cool to go back a- and see where things started. Mm. Speaking of where things started, John, last week uh, you put up an article about the 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 Neo games. So a a Souls like game, but from a different Japanese studio, which is Team Ninja, uh, known for Ninja Gaiden games and Dead or Alive. So, yeah, what, what, what? Why did you, why did you describe Neo One and Two as Dark Souls if the fat was left on? Like, yeah, w- what's the theory behind that? Yeah. Um, first of all, I was very proud of that analogy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but it's basically, uh, because uh, I, um, yeah, it's basically Dark Souls, like, because. To me, I don't know, this is very much like my own perspective on the Souls series. Like, I'm not a hardcore fan mm-hmm. at all. I usually even play them yeah. through them once just because they're kind of, they're so, like, high tension <laughs> that, like, I can't really bear to play it more than once. Um, but, uh, yeah, as, as games, they're kind of very streamlined in terms of design. They kind of, they're all about keeping you on your toes, kind of giving you a selection, like, there's like a critical path you're kind of it the game always wants you on and you kind of always mm-hmm. are on so when you kind of get yeah. up to a boss fight and something there's only so many like tools you can have at a, a time so they're kind of designed around it there's always ways of breaking it but like generally like it's kind of the same reason it keeps um its magic spells out of the way in those games so you really have to mm. like know you have to really explore or just wiki it to learn how to do all that sp- a lot of the spell stuff uh, I mean, as far as I know, I, I'm not super mm. into it. My point is that, like, it's trying to... F- it's more about direct... Get the player doing stuff rather than yeah. all the periphery stuff around it. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I kind of see them a lot like survival horror games, like Resident Evil or something like that. Like, they're all about kind mm. of keeping you in a certain mode in terms of resources and ability and strength, all that stuff. Anyway, Neo is, like, if you combined that with, like, Diablo, it's, like, it's all rather... if souls had all, all that extra gamey stuff like all the you know building oh, oh what do you call it like yeah like diablo loot and just like oh how to say it because the way i break it down in the article which you can go read on double jump right now if you're interested is um there's there's diablo loot which is kind of just all this extra stuff you always have to sift through um always yeah. always always and then there's the other yeah. side of it is that where Dark Souls, you're kind of not really fighting many of the same enemies over and over again. In yeah. Neo, you're doing it all the time. So you learn them really, really completely, <laughs> um, very fully, mm. like comprehensively. It's a better way to say it. Um, yeah. So Whereas like in the Souls game, you would, you would frequently, like you could be late game and just encounter a completely new enemy type you've never seen before. 
Yeah, like in like in those <laughs> games, they're always about like. I mean, everyone has different experiences with them, but they're always yeah. about keeping you um, just uncertain and cautious. And Neo, it, mm. you end up playing the same content over and over again with the same sort of like the same weapons, the same le- like same level geometry generally. Like, so they don't change yeah. much, and the same enemies over and over again. That um, that you end up just completely learning it inside it out. Or at least, yeah. maybe not completely, but pretty much. Like, you get very, very comfortable, I guess. It's more like a dungeon, like a traditional dungeon crawler yeah. versus like an exploration of uh, like an area. Yeah, so in a way... more like what Dark Souls and, and Bloodborne. Yeah, exactly. Like, in a way, the Dark Souls comparison pro- might not be like the most accurate after a point. Like, I mm. feel like I'd probably get some flack from some people for saying so, even though I think the comparison's kind of obvious. But there's like... Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like when there's enough fat left on the game, like, like you know, it has so much of those kind of mechanics that it ends up transforming into yeah. more of a Diablo-like, less as a Dark Souls type. And 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 then it keeps its. It's probably why a game like Neo. Can stand up in such a crowded like action game genre, it just yeah. does enough, of um, of like the 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 frantic action and like kind of white knuckle uh skill of of a soulsborne game but then it also has like kind of the repetitiveness and the loot like the reliability of that experience of like a dungeon crawler so it's it's um i think that's why it can kind of sta- stand up on its own otherwise it would just be lost and forgotten yeah pretty much it's like it's kind of mm. uses a lot of those like cheap fun stuff which is like you know still fun but it doesn't like in a way it's like i kind of enjoy playing it more than souls just because i'm like more comfortable generally but yeah like but also i kind of just stopped playing it this week because i got so like i knew it wasn't doing anything <laughs> else for me anymore it's just like oh, okay I've, yeah. I've had my fill I, i'm just kind of getting frustrated now because like, <laughs> I, I die like i died to a boss fight once and i'm like kind of bored and annoyed rather than like excited yeah. to get back into the fray just because it's like so long and the same same kind of content but anyway yeah, that that's why like always like whenever you see like a, a from software game in that vein you just see like there might be like 10 or 12 like main bosses in the game and they're just different like they're actually completely different in terms of the mechanics or uh you know the way to fight them and, and things like that which i think that's why people um are drawn to those games and it'll be interesting to see if uh, from software's next project which is elden ring will uh keep that because it's like i mean it's being worked on with george R. R. martin and by that i mean he r- scribbled some general <laughs> world <laughs> ideas like a few years ago and then from software's ran off with it so it'll be interesting to see if there's uh like if if it keeps that you know that that essence of like that creativity around the monsters and and the mm. bosses yeah, because I, I was almost, I was especially like, I was curious to see how, because like Neo games, especially like the remastered versions, they can get on next gen mm. machines right now. Oh, you can get them on all the other ones too. That's right. <laughs> but um, the remastered versions, all the DLC backed in, those are like gigantic games. Like, there's so much, like just stuff to do, like so a lot of weapons and like a lot of levels. Like a lot of those levels might be more or less the same as each other in a lot of ways, but um, they're still there. Yeah, so I was kind of thinking how, like, <laughs> Elden Ring is kind of, like, I think they've described it as, like, being, you know, substantially bigger than any other game they've made because it's open world. And I'm kind of curious, like, yeah. I wonder how that competes with, like, it's going to be, it's probably going to really outweigh Neo's, like, you know, variety. But I do wonder how, like, you know, in terms of, like, negativity or, you know, you know, uh, what they call it playtime breakdown you know because neo games if you want to like 100 percent them it probably takes hundreds of hours or something stupid but um i wonder if how elden ring will be compared to that but when dark souls games don't i mean i don't know if you were if you really want to like completely exhaust the souls game i'm sure it takes 100 hours or something <laughs> but um typically you have a playthrough of like you know 30 to 50 hours i think something like that yeah yeah if you're just kind of like gunning for the main stuff and some side things yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome.
So that was what was on Double Jump last week. How about we uh, change things over and talk about some of the biggest news stories from this past week. I think the, the headline topic, and it's one that we don't... It's one that we need to talk about and address, but it's not something that we'd like to hear about, especially because we're so... You know, we're so passionate about uh, our industry and we work with a lot of different people, different genders, different cultural backgrounds. And it's always disappointing to to hear about kind of the, the toxic workplaces that are out there. And, uh, and this, uh, for the last couple of weeks, the spotlight's been on two main companies, uh, which is uh, Activision Blizzard uh, from the US and, and uh, Ubisoft from France. So uh, the the latest news is that uh, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard um, over its quote unquote frat boy uh, workplace culture, which, it, from the sounds of it, sounds of the accusations, just featured a lot of systemic sexist and and just general toxic behaviour. Um, according to the the the, the court filing. The the publishers female employees, which which account for about only one fifth of the total workforce at Activision Blizzard, were subjected to inappropriate behaviour from intoxicated male colleagues doing these things called uh, cube calls, where they literally went from cubicle to cubicle, progressively getting more drunk throughout the day and hitting on and making kind of sexist jokes to female employees, uh, and then it also goes into like you know offhand comments and and jokes about rape. And uh, even <coughs> discriminating against female employees who are pregnant or who had to leave early to go pick up children from daycare. Um, and tragically, one female employee allegedly committed suicide while she was on a work trip with a male supervisor. It's uh, it's pretty damaging stuff if you if you actually delve into it. And, and we'll do that in a second. But um, in response to this uh, filing, the... Uh, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson uh, kind of told the media that that the the filing that the California Department uh, made was actually an quote unquote an inaccurate complaint, and that it actually note and it noted that uh, whenever it found cases of misconduct, um, it investigated every single allegation and took steps to address it. Whether or not you believe that, that's up to you, um, folks at home, but. It's 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 worrying that you even have to get to that stage, that you even have to have internal processes, like like consistently set out. It just shows that there's something, like it's there's something systemic there underlying, um, constantly. Um, in fact, the Activision spokesperson kind of described the filing <coughs> as including quote unquote a distorted and in many cases false descriptions of Blizzard's past. Um, we have been e- extremely cooperative with the department. Uh, throughout their investigation, including providing them with extensive data and ample and ample documentation, but they refused to inform us what issues they perceived. So it's it's kind of like shifting the blame in a way, saying that oh we could have done more if we had known about it, but instead they went and tried to get headlines. Uh, that's uh, a bit of a bit of a pickle there, John. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on this this latest filing against um, Activision Blizzard? I suppose disappointing. Is a comprehensive enough term for it in a way? No, it, uh, it's you know um, underestimate. Oh, word. I don't know. It's not fully accurate, I suppose. But it, it's not. I'm kind of sick of hearing about it over and over again. It just kind of keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it does. But mm-hmm. it's it's gonna you know it's just kind of the nature of things in a horrible way. Yeah, it was kind of it was a little shocking to see a like full on lawsuit though. Um, that mm. has, that doesn't happen very often, I think. Yeah, from like, like a like a government organization, nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's very. It's. I hope something comes of it to start, because mm. that'd be nice. Uh, especially after, yeah, as we were discussing earlier, like um, Riot Games having a similar, not not being sued by the government, but you know, a similar um, Me Too reckoning, um, and mm. facing almost nothing for it at all. Um, though I'm not, is it still ongoing? It, it might be. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, like I think, I think there's still ongoing discussions there at Riot Games. Mm. Uh, a couple of years ago, there were you know employees threatened to walk out after the company basically introduced these uh, 
private arbitration rules so that uh, by joining Riot or you by being an employee, you kind of waived your right to a lawsuit against the company. You kind of had to go through private mediation, which, um, you know, it doesn't look good when your company's already kind of uh, had, a, had such a bad image and had all these accusations leveled at it, uh, especially around kind of that sexist behavior or, I mean, one of the cases, like, one of the senior executives was just juvenile, you know, like, literally farting in people's faces and just, like, what? Like, you're you're a C-level executive. Like, this this is something you'd expect from the work experience kid who who's who has doesn't know better. Like, you you as an adult should know much better than that. Yeah. And he just got a slap on the wrist and a and a payout and told that he had to take some leave. You know, just just to think about what he's done. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. <laughs> um, and, you yeah. know, and there's some... Uh, I need to go read up on the Riot Games stuff again. I, I can't say much off it's the top of my head except for that guy because that guy... I, I wish I remembered yeah. more than that idiot. But um, anyway, the last for the... Thing was, the last thing was, uh, I think, February. Well, there was another lawsuit filed, but specifically aimed at the CEO, and I think that's kind of ongoing as well. So Right. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a developing story. But yeah, like uh, Ubisoft... Tell me. Oh, you Tell us. Um, oh. There's a few things for this one, actually. I wasn't sure what to start with. Let's start with the French French um, lawsuit, I think. Okay. Let's let's give some context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, to start off with for this week, or last week, I think it was last week, um, the mm. French Worker Union, Solidaire Informatique, um, and, they, and two former Ubisoft employees... Um, filed a complaint in a Paris criminal court against Ubisoft and a number mm. of their, um, I think, former and current employees, like their leadership. Yeah, like senior. Yep. Um, yeah, including the CEO. Yeah, so they made this statement. Um, translation comes from Kotaku. Um, the complaint targets Ubisoft as a legal entity for institutional sexual harassment for setting up, maintaining, and reinforcing a system where sexual harassment is tolerated because it is more profitable for the company to keep harassers in place than to protect its employees. Um, it targets a few current and former UB employees. So former chief director, Sergei, or Sergei, it's Sergei, isn't it? Sergei Hasko, former editorial VP, Tommy Francois. Um, he oh. was someone, oh, yeah, who, and... Both those two resigned last year after reports of sexual misconduct. So they were kind of part of like the sort of public ousting to try and say, yeah, you know, the Safe face. Yeah, the scapegoats. Um, there was former head of human resources, Cecile. Uh, That's Kone. fucked up. Um, <laughs> That's like, oh. Yeah, that guy was, yeah. that guy came up a lot in those early reports mm-hmm. for someone yep. who kind of, oh, the quote here is allowing harassment to flourish in Ubisoft. And yeah. I'm not sure if it's all of them, but um, and long time and current CEO Vez Guermo for being in charge of the company Eve during Kimo, all of them. yeah, yeah, um, and not acting on these complaints. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was from last week. Um, yeah, that's just embarrassing. Um, before that, not not long. I think it was a few days before it actually. It was um kind of buried in that information that um report at Bloomberg about Assassin's Creed Infinity Infinity. Mm. Um there was yeah. there was yeah, there was a report in there that not how much has changed at Ubisoft despite statements declaring otherwise by leadership. So from yeah. from Bloomberg um yeah, so the Oregon is oh, hang on. Yeah, so they're still reeling from last year's cultural reckoning over widespread sexual misconduct allegations. Dozens of yeah. current and former employees accused Ubisoft of facilitating a culture of misconduct and abuse leading to the oust of studio heads and the chief creative officer. And the thing is, like, like even someone um, as recent as, like, the creative director of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ashraf Ismail, like, even he stepped down. And, like, I mean, most recently we had the, uh, like, the E3 conference from Ubisoft, right? Nothing. There was nothing about this. Like, th- not even something. Like, I think I think there was like a prepared statement before the show, but nothing in the actual show itself. It just kind of. It just kind of. 
boggles the mind that like you know take take a, take responsibility take, have some accountability there and then you can move forward you can start the healing like that whole like Eve Gamo last year like having the whole thing of like well I didn't know oh I'm I didn't know this thing was happening in my you know billion dollar company yeah. oh poor me what am I oh no I, I found out when you did like yeah. come on like it's his family you know, it's, half the time too <laughs> yeah like I mean which I guess explains brother, it like, actually <laughs> yeah like um, like his brother runs Glue which I think is like a, a huge mobile uh, mobile studio slash like publisher um, it's uh, it's just like how many more of these stories do we need to hear before a lot more reform happens and and even uh, former Blizzard uh, kind of CEO President Mike Morhaime came out and he, and he said oh you know, he apologized. He said he failed, quote unquote, failed the women who were at Blizzard, and and he talked about, oh, I, I thought I created a a culture that was, um, you know, safe for everyone, but it clearly he failed there, and it's it's like, it's like too little, too late. Like, you yeah. he, he wouldn't have said anything if this um, story didn't come out. You know, mm. like, and 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 it's crazy seeing like all the Activision Blizzard employees coming out. Even Ubisoft employees coming out and and speaking about their experiences at their companies, it just um, it's 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 disappointing that these stories are coming out. But I think this is part of the process. Like we need to we need to air out all the dirty laundry at all these companies, and and I I, I, I there's going to be more. There are going to be more of these stories coming out. Up, you know, Riot Games. I mean, you you saw something recently about Insomniac, right? Yeah. Um was it yeah um not sure why exactly i think it was um the director of god of war sort of retweeted something from last year and it sort of like reignited discussion at least in one mm. corner of the internet um and about that's, uh, Corey barlog yeah that's right uh, the the director of god of war the most recent god of war mm. um yeah so it kind of it happened some of these like um some of this information came out last year um, but it was around the same time as Ubisoft's, actually. So it kind of went under the radar because it was yeah. not brought up in a, especially, yeah, not from, it came out from a couple of sources, I think, at most, like a few yeah. sources. Um, and it just didn't end up kind of making much of an impact, sadly. But, um, yeah, so there's first, um, there was a Twitter thread from last year by developer Sol Brennan. I think he's at Unity mm. right now, um, but she was at mm. Somnac for uh, some time. Um, and during the development of the most recent Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, so I just wanted to summarize a bit of a Twitter thread to just kind of, yeah, to summarize what's going on from her perspective. Um, there is a culture of hiding the ugliness that comes from the very top. I have a list in the double digits of women who are harmed by the actions of this company, some so much so that they declined to speak to, about it to me at all. Insomniac has started throttled careers of great women, left them no option but to resign and protected sexual predators. I know in my time there of at least three sexual predators that were protected. One left of his own accord, one was fired when he um, became too dangerous and was sexually assaulting people. One still remains, despite there being a mountain of evidence to get rid of him, because it's not clear who was in the right or wrong. This was all in the near four years I worked there. Um, there was an additional Twitter thread that's since been deleted, but there's um, mm-hmm. there's a couple of excerpts that I found where it says that um, my overall experience at Insomniac Games was so bad that not shortly after I resigned in 2010, I quit programming altogether. And then another mention, which is kind of a... This, was, this is different people who yes. are former Insomniac Games uh, employees. Yes, yeah, sorry. This is a second yeah. person. Yep. Um, the other except from their experience was in my exit interview, I was told in no uncertain terms of a handshake agreement between studios to prevent poaching. If my resume turned up at Naughty Dog or nearby studios, Insomniac would get a call, intimidated out of the industry whether I was ready to leave or not. So um, that was in response to you know, bringing up topics of sexual misconduct and such. When you, when you read things like this, like, why would you want to get into this industry? You know what I mean, as a as a a young young developer, or even coming in from another industry, who wants to work in games? You know, you've been passionate. Oh, I want to be. A, I've always wanted to draw. 
artwork for Blizzard and then you know you join and then the reality is so much worse than you could ever imagine mm. like and I think the craziest part I know especially at Ubisoft when the the global head of HR is in on it is you know or or, or is even perpetrating some of the, those actions like that just shows you just how how embedded it is in the culture of these places and and it's crazy because like uh, like with Activision I believe Activision you know a lot of these game companies were founded in the 70s you know 70s and 80s and they did have you know like River Raid uh, I forget who um, programmed it but it was a female programmer who's like one of the kind of pioneers of like video of the video game industry and like you know a lot of these companies were started by teams of men and women and then it started off a lot more wholesome and then it just I don't know like things changed um, and there were less and less women coming into the workforce and now it like until like I think pretty much in the 90s 2000s it was like 90% white straight males yeah you know like if you don't have a diversity of of people in your workforce you're, you're lending yourself to an environment where there's a lack of diversity in opinions or in in um viewpoints so you know how do you know that something isn't offensive how do you like you know you, you're never going to change your behavior if you're never called out on it and you're going to be afraid to call things out if you're in the minority or if you feel like you have no power in an organization you know it's kind of like a a cyclical thing mm. yeah exactly and like it's, i kind of get frustrated yeah. by this <laughs> stuff because it, it comes up in all sorts of industries but a lot of the time it's frustrating partly because even in the like most coldest money focused aspect it doesn't make sense yeah. to keep this stuff going anyway yeah. like the most economic sense beyond just the ethical and moral is to fix these problems because like because yeah. um, that's actually something I want to bring up as well because I, I kind of added up um, in, amongst all the Ubisoft talk there was a report on July 9th by Axios where there was an annual filing by Ubisoft that mentioned mm. um, mentioned all sorts of you know little things, um, but one thing that it kind of went under the radar a bit was that um, they had upgraded the risk of failing to attract and retain talent from moderate th- the year prior to high, um, in, and that seemed to be in response to all these allegations where people you know where people yeah. were taking notice of it and people were refusing yeah. or to or maybe just leaving Ubisoft what, whatever it yeah. could be. To, um, and Axios is like a a third party kind of um like it's like one of those firms that kind of evaluates companies and things like that right um i think so I, i'm not fully um but familiar with them to be honest but um like if, if you're if you're someone if you're if you th- like if we talk about bottom line like don't you want to keep the talented people in your team don't you want to keep them happy and productive <laughs> so that yeah. you get more for the money you put into them it's that's like even from a bottom line it should it should make sense but yeah. I guess when you're that warped um, you don't think about it that way mm. um, yeah so it's just yeah just more upsetting news again and again all we can really say is that we we sympathise with the you know the people who've been affected uh, you know negatively by all of this news uh, people who've you know have had haven't been able to work. Um, we've had, you know, maybe potentially uh, poor mental health caused by some of their experiences, or you know, just people who are picking the pieces up after, you know, what they've experienced in a toxic workplace. We feel for them, and you know, we we hope that this is a problem that goes away, and hopefully, we start seeing people unionizing, <laughs> and and form some sort of like kind of support group that'll protect employees uh you know rights i mean and and none of this is like even acknowledging things like crunch which has been such a problem in the gaming industry and media industry for so long so you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see where things go from here we we only hope for things to get better let's let's take a step back from a lot of this tragedy and, and talk about something positive which is uh ea held its annual ea play live event uh, this year, obviously, it um, wasn't in person. It was a virtual event. And EA made the decision to separate it uh, from E3 
the E3 kind of peak announcement period. So it's uh it was a, it was uh just this past week, so more than a month after E3. Uh, John, did you want to kick us off with uh with what was announced at EA Play 2021? Sure. Um, first off, the Dead Space remake, um, developed by EA Motive, it will be next gen only. Um, yeah. um, there aren't too many details so far on this one. Um, all that um, it seems very, yeah, next gen heavy is really the only yeah. information so far. Um, we'll use the SSDs of the next gen consoles to cut out loading entirely. Um, director Campos Oriola says that you can play it from the start screen to the end credits seeming seamlessly. Um, Which uses is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uses the Frostbite engine with the addition of volumetric effects and dynamic lighting and um, 3D audio, which honestly sounds even harder to play that game. <laughs> um, as oh, a, uh, yeah. Yes. Oof. So there's been a few um, interviews so far, um, kind of detailing bits and pieces, but there isn't too much yet. Yeah, the trailer didn't reveal much, like in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, it's very tone setting sort of teaser. Yeah. Mm. Um, it it looked like it definitely has a lot of the elements from the first game, like a lot of the imagery, even like the brown color palette, the blood on the walls, the iconic uh, suit. Um, yeah, it's uh, it it really feels like the developers know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, wet and rusty <laughs> looking yeah. sort of interior. Um, as yeah. a remake, the team is looking to make improvements to the story which sounds like, um, as they explain it, it sounds like they're mainly trying to connect the story elements of the first game with what happened in the sequels, you know, kind of like mm. fixing or improving any ins- inconsistencies, anything like that. Uh, I'm not sure what they are exactly, but, you know, it kind of makes sense, yeah. you know. Second one was made after they introduced new things yeah, and so on like, and so forth. Like the first game was very... It was like one of those first games that had, a, like, it was all about atmosphere. It was kind of like followed that Resident Evil 1 and like a silent hill like kind of idea of like it, there's a lot of silence and like even the, in the sounds should make your skin crawl um and it, ha- it was like one of those uh, games that had like we don't have a hud all of the information is on the character or on the guns or on the weapons like yeah so your health indicator was on your suit and things like that you had like your ammo indicator was like on your weapons Mm. Um, and so one of the only few like one of the few games to like really pull it off too like i I can't think of any off the top of my head that was like necessarily failed at it but i feel like that one's one of the ones where they had had that gimmick of you know no menus Mm. whatever and then and actually follow through with it in a way that mattered (laughs) rather than just being a gimmick and like the the story went crazy from like two to three like three like spoilers like towards the end it was like you're you're basically there's like a sentient moon getting destroyed or something like it was <laughs> it was crazy it is crazy um so it'll be I, I can kind of understand like why uh the dev- the the developers are like hey um ea mode it was like hey let's kind of like have a more let's make sure this narrative makes sense like <laughs> as, like, as yeah. we're setting it up and and i think ea mode still has some of the original staff that worked on the dead space game so it explain it does make sense that there's probably people still there who are really passionate about uh, th- that trilogy um, yeah. I'm not sure if they would prefer a sequel or if they're happy with the remake but we'll, I guess we'll find out mm. um, a bit more later in the year uh, a couple more things is that the mm. creative director I think it came out today or yesterday some interview bit that um, the remake team is working off the original level design which means that cut content that wasn't able to be included in the original release for technical reasons or what have you I think it's mainly technical mm. Um, yeah, could be might be able to be seen in the remake. So he kind of mentions um, he makes an example of um, the first chapter. There's corridors where he said that like remaking it and kind of seeing the original geometry and how it was changed. Um, so it sounds like it could be. I'm not sure how big the changes will be, but it sounds like it could. They might have had to rein back their vision in quite a few places. I'm um, kind of interested to see how that turns out. Yeah, like, I mean, think about, like, we're talking about, uh, I think the original Dead Space came out, like, 2010. So, oh, if not earlier than that. Um, so, like, that was, like, pretty early, like, that was, like, 360 and PS3 era. Like, think about how much has changed since then. Like, back then, they had half a gigabyte of RAM <laughs> to <laughs> work with, you know, like, that's like nothing compared to what we have now. So, it's um, 
yeah, I can definitely see like something like 3D audio or even ray traced lighting. Like it makes a game like Control come alive or even Metro Exodus look so much more like kind of in, um, realistic and, and inviting. So I think that could be uh, really cool, especially like when it comes to um, the idea of using the the super fast SSDs that's in the newer consoles and the newer newer PCs. Like I could I could really imagine like seamlessly travelling between dimensions and like can you can you imagine that? Like you know what I mean? Without any loading. Um it yeah. w- it would be so cool. Like going from like dream states to reality. Uh it would be sick. Uh I I mean like it would be amazing. I, I think that the possibilities are there and and I, I'm super happy that it's a current gen only game, not like a previous gen PS4, Xbox One. It's not held back by the older systems. I'm, yeah. I'm super stoked about that. Because it'll be like, um, it'll probably be a bit like RE2. I think that's um, when it was first reported, that was kind of um, internally, I think that's yeah. kind of what they're aiming so for. The so it's kind of Resident Evil 2 remake from a couple of years ago. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that yeah. game. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see what like in the next gen approach to that because that game already mm. was pretty incredible on a visual atmospheric level. So it's kind of interesting like, where how far could you push that like yeah. goal? And it worked. <laughs> well, it's like we'll see. We're really happy space. with it. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, another series coming back is uh, Codemasters' uh, Grid. Uh, racing series so the new game that uh, was announced uh, this past week was a game called grid legends uh it's okay it it, it think of uh, so so grid is codemasters uh like track racing series so like you know they've got gt cars you know uh it, it's basically like the dirt series is for off-road this is for on-road this is like on closed tracks some city um some city tracks and stuff as well. Grid Legends seems like it's 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 continuing the uh, the work that Codemasters did with the most recent Grid uh, re-release a couple of years ago, uh, but now it's adding like a, a t- it seems like a totally campy um, <laughs> live action story uh, to it. So I'm not sure if uh, if people listening to it remember, but like 2005's Need for Speed Most Wanted and uh, and the follow up Need for Speed Carbon had some of the most cheesy kind of acting like you know macho tough boy like really really cringy dialogue but it, it just it kind of added to the the whole um like kind of added to the whole like, atmosphere of the game and, and kind of made it stick out in, in in our minds and, and that's why people are so nostalgic about it i think this is a, a, like a similar idea to it well it's like, like um well it's like the uh, last game that happened like need for speed 2015 had it as well right yeah, and um, yeah, had like Ken, had like, yeah, all these like cheesy cutscenes and and like all these like kind of like celebrities in the car world, like I think like even Ken Block and Magnus Walker and stuff, like talking oh. to like the <laughs> player character, um, like in first person, and yeah, like th- I I love the idea of it. I'm not sure how much it's gonna hold up in terms of like as a game, as like a multiplayer, like. Because that's the thing, like, you'll finish the campaign or whatever and you'll be done with it, but these games kind of, like, live and die by the multiplayer and ongoing support, so that'll be interesting to see if it'll um it'll succeed. But I, I, I love the idea of a campy racing game in 2022. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I, I didn't think of it. <laughs> that was, like, my first thought was, like... Because it's kind of funny. It's, like, because there's, there's no way this game wasn't, like, in full development before they got purchased by ea which wasn't which yeah. wasn't that long ago uh, i forget exactly year, when. yeah yeah okay I think it was this year yeah so only a few months ago or so um but it's like i was thinking it's like man like ea or codemasters like must have d- data like no one else can see because like how do they keep making these kind of ge- like who like <laughs> the idea that they have to make another fmv game <laughs> which is like i'm not even against because it looks hilarious and i'm kind of interested yeah. to see how like i like the idea of it like as a creative thing yeah. like i'd rather I'd rather people keep trying at it and see if yeah. you can get Do better different. at it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think, like, watching a trailer, it still looked pretty... Like, the um, talking head bits with, like, the documentary-style talking head bits, like, that were kind of neat. And then it's oh. like, then they had that bit backstage where, you like, one dude tackled another guy. And it's like, wait, what are yeah, you doing? Like, is it a drama or is it a documentary? If you keep pushing, you're going you're gonna to kill someone. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, I hope it's you. And then it's like, oh, and he tackles him. That's so dumb. Yeah, it's I it. love it. <laughs> love it. Yeah. So uh, another thing I definitely want to play it more because yeah. of it. So that that yeah. helps. <laughs> Uh, what, what was uh, what was next uh, at EA Play? Um, next was game Lost in Random that was announced a couple of years ago, I think. Um, developed by mm. Zoink, who made um, what was that one game you mentioned? Sorry, I forget. Uh, it was Stick It to the Man. Stick It to the Man. One of the and they made um, Fe or Fee or something. Um, it's like <laughs> spelled F E, just those two letters. Um, a couple of years ago. Um, right now, they kind of have an interesting situation because like, they made FE with EA and they're making another game with EA. Yeah. So they seem to be having a good time um, with them. But um, as a developer, they were merged last year with um, the larger company of Thunderful with the SteamWorld devs. Yeah. So they're kind of in an interesting situation right now. So it looks like they're yeah. like, considering FE and Stick It to the Man's kind of like... Um, because they're, like, they're pretty small games. Like I only played a little yeah. bit of FE, but I definitely didn't, didn't get the sense of how to huge budget with it. This game definitely looks yeah. a bit bigger. So I'm kind of wondering like if this, that's got something to do with it. Like uh, When I first saw this, I thought this was like one of those Joseph Farris games, but without the co-op. Yeah, that's <laughs> like true. The, the guy who at Hazelight who made um, like It Takes Two and uh, The Escape. Oh, whatever that oh, other game A was. Way Out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I played out. that. I played that for that for the first. <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a tangent. I'll try and finish quick. Uh, I played that that for the first time with my sister like a couple months ago. Yeah, that game is yeah, like way go. goofier than I expected. That's like basically <laughs> like a David Cage game. It's like it's like wild. Wow. Like it's like there's this like whole like car chase section that's like the biggest most explosion heavy thing and it's like said in the 70s like there's only so many explosions you could fit into a car chase land unless the car, cars would <laughs> i guess they were more combust combustible i guess that makes sense yeah. um anyway <laughs> wow. back to lost okay. and random um <laughs> as i really like tim burton look to it it looks it reminded me a lot of um catherine as i, I think that was what it was called like that neil gaiman um stop animation Oh, was it even Coraline? Coraline, that's sorry, that's right. Coraline, yeah. Um, it reminded Catherine me a lot was of was a very different game. <laughs> what was that one? I, I don't remember that, Catherine. Like that anime, uh, like puzzle game. Like, oh, was, is yeah, that was weird. Yeah, yeah, it's don't remember it at all. Um, Everyone, Google it. Don't don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, the gameplay-wise, it seems it's an. I think it's labeled an action RPG or an action adventure, yeah. um, and it has seems to be sort of like behind the shoulder sort of um, shooting action, like uh, brawler mechanics, but with deck building mechanics yeah. on top of it. Yeah, um, it's and there's like and the dialogue's like a, a like classic adventure game, like choose different options. Yeah, when I when I look up the website, yeah. that was really exciting actually, because it's written by Ryan North. He's this comic book writer who writes um or he wrote Unbeatable Squirrel Girl for a number of years oh okay um and he's kind of known for being a very funny like comedic writer for comics and i think mainly i think only comics actually um hopefully that translates yeah because he's i love his stuff so i actually really want to play it partly because like a major part because i got like a double fine vibe from this as well like a psych like a psychonauts one yeah definitely just just because of the way like you, you literally there's a girl who's trying to rescue her sister and she's got like this like sentient dice running around with her yeah uh, it's cool <laughs> um yeah so just to finish up uh, it's got a release date of september 10 later this year and it's releasing mm-hmm. for pc switch ps4 and xbox one with no native current gen, current gen versions announced right now hmm. i'm sure they'll come next year they have to oh well with these smaller games they tend not just to not do it maybe they'll just like release a patch uh-huh. or something Oh yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, they could do that, like an enhanced patch or something. Yeah. Well, I think the the for me personally, like the biggest takeaway from EA Play and one of the last things that was showed was uh, Battlefield Portal. So, okay, it's like it's a game mode in Battlefield 2042, which is the upcoming full scale Battlefield sequel. But it's a quote unquote community driven game mode where. Uh, players can create different custom maps and uh, sorry custom games custom matches using different parameters they can control and it actually pulls from like battlefield 1942 which came out almost 20 years ago you know the bad company games battlefield 3 some of the um looks like some of the newer like uh throwback like battlefield 1 battlefield 5 so it's like you could you could pit you mix and match soldiers weapons uh 
ex- like uh, gadgets and uh, vehicles and maps from like the entire battlefield history. So you could have soldiers, um, you know, <laughs> like I think one of the things was like uh, like a whole bunch of World War One soldiers with knives running into running against uh, like a platoon of uh, you know battlefield four. Uh, medics with uh <laughs> with defibrillators like it's just it's just so dumb and you had like world war one oh sorry world war two propeller aircraft going up against like f-16s and stuff it's it's the craziest thing that battlefield's had in a long time um it'll be it'll be like interesting to see how it translates because like battlefield is already chaotic i can only imagine adding all this into it is just gonna make things a little <laughs> more crazy um but yeah the, the the great thing is that uh, uh, uh i'll um put it this way is that there's, there's going to be uh, 13 maps over 40 weapons over 30 gadgets over 40 vehicles um but it's probably going to be uh added to over time like dice has done with the most recent battlefield games um and the the whole idea of like playing like Rush, uh, which is a like a bomb diffusion game mode based on like you know things you'd see in Call of Duty and things like that. That isn't in the main 2042 game from the from the looks of things. Is going to be in this mode, and it'll be interesting to see people trying to like fight objectives, but being from different eras and different like uh, like wars. Like I, I just that uh, this is going to be ridiculous. I, I it'll be a great a great thing to see. I, I'm sure this is like stream bait. Yeah, like um, <laughs> yeah, because I was like, when like looking at it at first, I was kind of, it was kind of like, um, I don't know if it, to me personally, it came off like a little half-hearted, where like just like just in the trailer itself, where like you know before like yeah. knowing it, where it's like mm. oh, okay, so it's kind of like some sort of like mix and match sort of thing, but um, yeah, it gets like the part that's like especially interesting and like mm-hmm. weird about it is that there's a rules editor basically change like the full-on logic of the game and create custom rules using this visual scripting editor which is apparently kind of pretty close to actual programming i'm sure it's relatively simple but you know um that that it's can be compared is probably you know intimidating in its own right um so like an example of this (laughs) machinima this is this is a boon for people who want to get into machinima yeah, all those anime OPs laid over Battlefield gameplay. Can't wait. <laughs> um, an example of this was changing the logic so that um, earning a kill will heal the player and also swap the team's weapons around all at once. So you can kind of like, it sounds like you can really do a lot with it. Like I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see how far it goes because that's like, like will we finally see the like dinosaurs in Battlefield sort of thing? Because I know that's something yeah, people wanted. For years. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And that, um, that it only seems to be I was kind of surprised at how little they seem to be using so far, but I think I think like you said, like I think they're kind of tending to grow it a little bit. So it's like so yeah. far it's twenty four to two, and then three extra games of nineteen forty two, Bad Company two, and Battlefield three. Like that's all the that yeah. apparently that's what the selection, of the contest so far. Yeah. So so there's Great. definitely room to expand it in a big way over time, which I'm guessing yeah. they're doing. So we'll see. Yeah, that'll be that'll be sick. Uh, I'm I. Like Battlefield twenty one forty two was like the first game that I got into in the series, so I'm I'm nostalgic to see uh, you know those like hover helicopters, and I'd love to see like a giant Titan flying overhead versus like a World War One or like a World War Two kind of giant blimp, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a giant or an aircraft carrier from like twenty twenty thirteen versus one from like nineteen forty three. It'll be crazy. Yeah. Oh um. <laughs> yeah, just one more little depressing but i guess uh like i think seeing like 2042 stuff i i can't help thinking about its premise now of being this like climate control like climate change yeah caused like disaster war. world war yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i keep it's, thinking about it every time i see it now it's like man that makes me so depressed and like battle uh, not battlefield sorry uh what was it uh call of duty black ops 2 the the conflict in that was centered around uh the fight for um rare earth minerals oh, uh, okay. things that go into smartphones and everything and it's like it's it's weird how that's probably how things might turn out you know what i mean like yeah. that's what we're going to be fighting over i think it's we're fighting it. over lithium and silicon yeah because it's like you know so far with battlefield 24 we've seen like it's kind of mainly been marketed through 
um, imagery of like giant cyclones hitting a major city. <laughs> yeah, dust <laughs> um, storms. Yeah, tornadoes. like its weather is a big part of it. It's like, man, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> sad enough. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. But well, you know, it still looks fun, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, something that uh, also looks like fun, uh, especially if you're a fan of the football or soccer, depending on where you're, where you're from, is uh, Konami is turning the Pro Evolution Soccer slash Winning Eleven series, which is you know been around since the '90s as like the main competitor uh, to FIFA. It's actually converting that into a free-to-play football as a service game known as eFootball. Not a fan of the name. It <laughs> sounds very dumb. It sounds like some fantasy football like website from like two thousand and one. But um, the idea of like a f- like a free-to-play soccer game that can compete with something like FIFA in terms of just like a normal competitive level, like Ultimate Team and everything like that, is is obviously a huge draw card for the FIFA series, but like just a like a a way to play a realistic soccer game on you know mobile platforms, PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Uh, especially in, uh, you know once after launch, Konami is planning to add uh, like crossplay into the um, into the game, which is going to be wild. You know, sitting on the train playing FIFA against someone on a PlayStation Five. That's uh, I think that's like a dream of someone somewhere, but <laughs> now it's going to become a reality. Uh, I I don't know this this might be the thing to ha- make uh, Pro Evolution Soccer a bit more relevant in the Western market because it, it tends to like dominate in Japan versus FIFA, but everywhere else oh. it seems like it's like FIFA all the way. Okay, I didn't know that about Japan actually. I just kind of yeah. got the I just you know had the sense that FIFA was dominating to the point where there was not really much room left for a competitor mm. unless you yeah. um especially when they're like because i was thinking this made a lot of like hearing about it it made a lot of sense to me i think it makes sense though it like, makes sense to most people you know like just on a basic level as in fever just kind of continues to grow and make money and the ultimate team is such a huge part of it of like yeah. people buying that over in a competitor <laughs> now that um yeah. you know you can't really fight on the same turf anymore you have to kind of yeah so shifting over to like a mobile centric ish um, evolving platform, free to play. I mean, like it makes sense. I, 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 yeah. I see. I think Especially, people are sad about it, which I yeah. don't blame them. It's, and it kind of also makes sense. Like Konami is like one of those companies that dabbles in so many areas. Like, and gambling is definitely one of them. So I can I can see that cynical side of Konami being like, let's let's chock it full of loot boxes and you know, customize this and that and make money that way and you know funnily enough this might be the uh, the way to get enough money for konami to license more real teams and players yeah cause <laughs> and how much does like that EA. have now because i don't follow any of this stuff <laughs> oh, i think i think they've got like you know the big ones like neymar jr messi and you know the big clubs and stuff but i think uh pet like pro evolution Soccer kind of still got by on it's like custom team creator where you could kind of recreate all the teams you want and all the stats and everything right okay um, but you know that might change now that because a, a lot of games going free to play do actually start making more money um mm. especially with all the like, kind of in-game content you can buy and loot boxes so it'll be interesting to see how it develops yeah so um, i guess the question is like yeah. you know can it survive long term and maybe like it really is was the only option because like pez is maybe. still being kind of running yeah. for a little while and oh, I haven't, yeah. like, yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't be reading what, where, I guess I wouldn't hear about it typically, regardless, but I definitely yeah. didn't get the, sex, uh, the impression that it was a success story lately, so maybe it really yeah. was. like, this is the biggest news in, like, video game football for, like, since Ultimate Team launched in, like, FIFA 09, so it's it's been a long time coming. Mm. And the, the last story that we've got today is... Uh, another acquisition, uh, which is uh, probably one that it kind of caught me off guard, which is Tencent, the huge Chinese media conglomerate, which is like hellbent on buying up almost the entire games industry, has announced that it has acquired uh, UK studio Sumo Digital for almost uh, 1.3 billion US, so about 1.27 billion dollars was uh, the deal's value, and. Uh, people may uh, recognize the Sumo Digital name for, like, I think back in the day it was like Little Big Races. Sumo Digital worked on Little Big Planet Three. Uh, that 
the the Sonic racing games were sumo digital as well. I think most recently was Hood, other game called um, Hood Outlaws and Legends, as well as Sackboy A Big Adventure. So those are kind of like the the most uh, newest releases that we might know sumo digital for. Uh, Tencent already owned an eight percent uh, share in the company, and basically now has increased that to a full a- acquisition. And this deal at one point two seven billion US dollars just edges out uh, EA's purchase of Codemasters earlier this year, which I think was about one point two one billion US dollars. Uh, you know, Tencent owns all of Riot, uh, a big chunk of Epic Games, and uh, yeah. it's basically going to be the Embracer Group, which is the other company buying up a whole bunch of studios in Europe. Yeah, and like Embracer, and like starting small and working the way up, while Tencent is kind of yeah. starting at the top and working their way down working, a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it owns part of EA as well. Like it's got uh, Activision Blizzard. Um, it's got it's got its like fingers in a lot of pies, and and like Tencent Pictures, which is like the movie division. Like I think like produce like uh, like Pacific Rim and like a lot of big movies that you. Um, basically, if you see a movie in Hollywood shows like someone f- like r- a random scene in china with some scientists or someone coming up through a uh, bake breakthrough expect tencent or another like similar chinese production company to be kind of fu- funding it um, <laughs> sometimes okay. they shoehorn it in the worst ways but yeah it's it's, it's kind of the way things are going it's mm. where the money is yeah yeah it's kind of sad to see you know more consolidation especially yeah. on like because like the only time i'm kind of like a little happy about well, i mean I don't know. I feel like it's it's such a it's so beyond me, like literally. As like you know, it's just these giant corporation like businesses buying each other. Yeah, yeah. It kind of I don't know. It it kind of it's disappointing to see more like especially this one where like these Sumo Digital seem to be doing okay. Like maybe they were in harder times than yeah. I realized, but they seem to be doing all right. So kind of like this needless yeah. consolidation. It's just like always a little disappointing. I didn't even think that they were worth that much. Like I just never thought of Super Digital as a big, like a big uh, enough company to warrant a purchase like this. I always thought of them as like, oh, they're the guys who made Little Big Planet Races and you know a couple of other and the Sonic games. Like I never really gave it much more thought than that. I didn't think it'd be worth you know almost like more than Codemasters. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, I, I need to read into that a little more to be honest. Um, I haven't like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not completely familiar with Sumo Digital, but um, yeah, it's uh, hey, someone's cashing in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They've been around for a while. I'm sure yeah. someone earned it. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, I think yeah, I think the pedigree is that people who started Sumo Digital used to work at Infograms, which um, I think basically acquired like which owned like acclaim and like basically the like the atari licenses during the 90s and stuff all oh, right um, okay. and interesting to see like even codemasters kind of starting off on like the amiga and stuff like in the 80s and then developing like the game genie like you know like cheat basically the cheat hardware that everyone knows of knows about a game yeah. genie or the yeah i think it was a game genie yeah, or the game shark um, yeah, it's so crazy that that company was like became like this huge, like billion dollar, like organization. It's 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 just crazy. But yeah. those are the stories that we want to hear about in games. You know, I, I love those documentaries talking about early games, like how things were made, and then now how commercial things are. It's just crazy. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love to watch something like that about Super Digital. That does it for another episode of Double Jumper Radio. John, thank you so much for joining me again. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully, fo- folks at home have learned a little bit about the industry this week as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good talk through some of this stuff, even the upsetting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to be said. We need to talk about it, raise awareness about it. It's the only way things can change. It's to start off small, you know, before you say something, before you do something in, at work, you know, just, just think about, hey... Am I really helping in any way? Am I just saying something to hurt someone else? I think it just starts with something small like that. And and I'm sure we're all guilty of it. We could we could even start with like the tweets we sent out to you know, like, oh when when there's a game delay or something, like stop yelling at them. <laughs> you know? Yes, uh the companies need to do a better job of looking after their employees, but obviously 
when investors hear, oh, you know, the players are asking for this and that, rush out this thing. You got to just think about the cost of all that extra work and crunch as well. If if you guys have some thoughts about uh, what we talked about this week or even last week, please feel free to send through an email to podcast at doublejump.co. We'd love to hear from you about, you know, the, the news topics, you know. Maybe, maybe you have worked at a, a studio before and you've had an experience you can speak about. Uh, we'd love to understand a little bit more about what happens in, in, in companies like that. And, yeah, John, I think we're, I think it's time to go. Uh, is there anything, uh, anything you recommend anyone should check out? Uh, you know, I think you, you're a fan of wrestling. Any, any, any big news in the AEW world that people should be looking out for? There's been rumors of like CM Punk and Brian Daniel joining. <laughs> no, that's been mm, happening. Mm. Um, I was not well, expecting that. <laughs> yeah, when I, I saw that CM Punk news. <laughs> <laughs> On a separate note, I've been playing like Pokemon Unite came out that MOBA. Yeah, that one's been all right. It's like it, like I haven't played MOBAs before, so it's kind of been like yeah. a nice intro level thing where it lets yeah. me get the hang of it my first MOBA <laughs> yeah pretty much except Pokemon which is even better awesome maybe next week you can uh, report back on your experiences in Pokemon Unite yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> awesome but everyone at home thank you so much for listening always appreciate your support uh, if you love what you hear please do uh, follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and head over to doublejump.co for all of our awesome content you'll find links to all of our social media pages and our uh, twitch page as well please come say hi you can join the discord welcome to the community we're always happy to have more people join our awesome club but yeah until next time look out for one another see ya bye <laughs>